Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey Griefsters, thank you so much for choosing to listen to some cheery chats about grief. If you enjoy the show, you can also follow it on social media. We're on, sorry, I said social media so weirdly. Um, we are on Twitter and Instagram, is all I'm trying to tell you, at The Griefcast. Or you can email me, thegriefcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm currently in a play about death and cancer, so, you know, it's on brand. Um, and my replies are as such extremely slow, so I'm really sorry if you've emailed me and I'm really sorry if you haven't had a reply. I am very slowly getting around to them all. Please know I read every single one of your beautiful emails and if you need just to write it down and send it to me and don't expect to apply that is equally fine you can do that we have two live shows coming up in November on the 3rd of November at 5pm we are at the BFI's Podstock in London with special guests Emma Freud and Catherine Ryan whoop tickets are available now from the BFI website or head to the Griefcast Twitter for the link and on the 16th of November at the Dulwich Picture Gallery I'll be joined by Jeff Lloyd from Reasons to be Cheerful Sophie Duker from Channel 4's Riot Girls and Stevie Martin from the Nobody Panic podcast tickets are available from the Dulwich Picture Gallery website and you get a free shifty at the Ribera exhibition that's on there as well if you buy a ticket for that show. This week I'm talking to journalist and podcaster Julia Rayside. Julia is a writer for The Guardian and is often heard on talk radio and BBC Radio 2 and 4. She's also the host and creator of Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. 
Julia came in to talk to me about her brother Colin, who died of osteosarcoma cancer, and her dad Jim, who died of PSP just a few months ago. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with journalist and podcaster Julia Rayside. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hi. Julia. Um, I say podcaster because you are a podcaster, that's why, but I, I'm so intrigued by your podcast. I'm niche. <laughs> You're so, I mean, I'm niche. I am niche. I don't know. Death is universal. <laughs> but yours is super niche. What's your podcast called? <laughs> it's called Always There. The Howard's Way podcast. The Howard's Way. Now, yeah. I I have to say, I vaguely remember Howard's Way being on. Yeah. But what what was <laughs> Howard's Way? Well, Howard's Way was, it was started in 1985 and it was on uh, sort of BBC One Sunday evening. Right. Kind of that time where you'd perhaps, you should have done your homework, you might not yeah, have done. So it yeah. kind of brings back this visceral feeling of childhood Sunday nights, if you're my sort of age, early 40s. Um and it was it was a real ratings juggernaut. It was like 12, 13 wow. million people an episode watched it. Wow. And it was set on the south coast. Um, uh, it was sort of about vaguely middle class people with yachts. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we could all relate. <laughs> See, I I know that Sunday Stock because that is when they did Pride and Prejudice. Yes, The 1925 p adaptation, the best TV adaptation. Which clearly made an impact on you. <laughs> made a huge impact <laughs> on me. And all of ostentatious, we all quote that all the time yeah. of like, do you remember that dress that Jennifer Ely had? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Remember the curl of that hair? So like for us, it's ultimate reference. But um, I guess I'm a bit too young to remember Howard's Way, but I have conflated Howard's Way with Howard's End. And I thought Howard's Way was a like, modern adaptation of Howard's End for ages. Yeah, on boats. On boats. And I was really confused. And I was like, why did they do that? Yeah, so no. So it it's nothing to do with Howard's it's End. It's not experimental in that sense, okay. no, no. It was, it was just... Uh, a kind of a lot of people say it was an answer to Din- Dynasty in Dallas, the big oh, American imports. Um, like a- <laughs> it sort of wasn't though, because it was set on the Solent, which was quite windy and grey a lot of the time. And I bet um, that our yachts were like not really yachts, were they? Well, I mean, like one of the characters was a multi-millionaire oh, and was okay. allowed a pretty exciting-looking. Oh. Uh, we, we call it a fuck boat on the podcast because <laughs> it's been purely for the for the, the purposes of yeah luring women uh, oh, below yeah. decks. Oh. Yeah. So the podcast, you got are you going through each episode? Uh, we are. We're doing it like the wire. <laughs> and some people come on and they are you know very, very as fond of it as I am or perhaps not as fond no yeah. one's that fond but um and some people have never seen it but it's wow. just it's brilliant because then I just get to sit there enthusing about the show I love and while they look confused and sometimes afraid <laughs> well, there you go yeah because I was really like I'm yeah I'm glad at least I know yeah. what it is now is there a death on the show? Do they well, have death? the thing is, yes. So the main character <gasps> okay. in Howard's Way, this made a big impression on me. Obviously, what, it's sort of relevant to what we're going to talk about because when I was a kid, sort of nobody I knew really died. Right. And then the guy who played Tom Howard, who was the main character in Howard's Way, in series five, while they were filming, he went on a short filming break. <gasps> this incredibly gorgeous, late 40s, fit-looking man just had a heart attack and died. Oh, my God. And they kind of had to shoot round it and then... They did one more series with no Tom Howard in it, where they'd explained he died in the you know. But that in the basically show. killed the show, did it? Was he kind of like kind of did the show? But yeah. also, it was the first sort of big celebrity. For, I mean, he was a big celebrity to me. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, who? But he was an actor called Morris Colborn, and he yeah he died, and I was absolutely floored because wow. you know I'd quite invested in this this show by then, yeah, and I was yeah. probably about fourteen or something. And it's that thing when you're watching stuff that you're so used to being like, okay, the character died, but they're okay, they're yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then being like, nope, no. Both they, dead. They slightly fudged it in the show. They said uh, he was lost at sea. Uh, and then the, the next series came back. It's like, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, moving on. But the, the whole cast had to carry on filming. Their friend had just died and they oh had to pretend nothing had happened. It must have been so weird. It must have been so strange. Yeah. 
And the funny thing is, because they could have dealt with that. They could have actually had said, let's see them grieving. Let's actually shoot scenes where people are grieving with people who are grieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have gone there <laughs> if I was directing. <laughs> You're like that. Guys, let's really get there, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I think they, they saved that till they, they, they gave them enough time to sort of assimilate it, I think, and then they, yeah, they filmed a, a funeral scene in the beginning of the, the last wow. series. Yeah. Oh, that must have been very painful. Must have been, yeah. Well, as we're on the topic. Mm, speaking <laughs> of death. Speaking of, who are we remembering today? Um, we are remembering Colin Rayside, who was my brother, and Jim Rayside, who's my dad. And one of these is super recent, right? Yeah. So when, what's the most recent one? So dad died, um, he'd been ill for a very long time, but he died about a month and a half ago. Wow. I know. So as fresh I, out of the you're box. You're fresh out of the box. Fresh into what, the box. Sorry, that's the box. not the... Yeah. <laughs> well, you are fresh. That's what I say when people turn up and they're still in their first year. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, fresh. Yeah. But you have had something happen before. So yeah. I guess, so should we go back? So um, how old were you when your brother died? Colin, did you say? Yeah. So it was um, sort of 2016, February 2016. So I was... I'm really bad with time. We've, uh, I've listened oh, to this podcast so before where much. people say, right, so time, you're asking for timelines. Yeah. It's very pickled in my head. But yeah, he died two years ago, so I was 41. Okay, so two years ago. And yeah. what did he, how did he die? What happened? Um, he had cancer, um, but it was one of those, I mean, it's sort of the kind of thing you think, oh God, I hope that never happens to me, because he just had a sore shoulder for ages. Oh god. And it just kept getting more and more sore and he got to the point where he was he'd seen a couple of GPs they were don't know just you know get some physio take some painkillers. And then after about a year it was really like keeping him up at night he just couldn't you know function as a normal human really and he found there was a bit of a lump on the back of his shoulder as well and he was like oh what's this but thinking nothing of it. Um I just remember having a conversation with him on the phone where he said he just mentioned that he gets up at one every morning to take more painkillers. And I was like, seriously, you're going to, what yeah. are you doing? And I didn't think it was cancer, but I thought that's not a way to live. And yeah. you must, you must do something. We kind of had a row about it. And he kind of said, oh, for God's sake, it's not like I'm going to die. Da, da, da. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and then he went to the doctor eventually. And I don't know, someone finally decided to do an x-ray. And then the x-ray showed up a big mass on his bone. And then various other tests were done and it was bone cancer, but like a, a cancer called sarcoma, which is oh, kind of... yes, I've heard of that. I just yeah. still don't really understand it. It's supposed to affect the soft tissue, but it, it, anyways, it was a bone sarcoma and basically 20 centimetres of his upper arm bone was cancer because it had had a year to grow and it was quite fast growing. Jesus. So it was just a real shock. And, and it was just sore. It was just like... Yeah, basically just the joint was sore. Um, and then presumably because the the cancer was sort of adding it was adding to the bone of his arm into yeah. like into his shoulder joint, that started to cause real movement problems and yeah it was just incredibly painful I think. Oh and my I think he, God. I think because he, he was a very physically sort of active bloke he was a firefighter in the RAF. Wow. I know I think he just thought oh I've just done something to yeah, it. Yeah you then, would think I've I must have overdone it I've yeah. injured it I pulled something exactly just keep taking painkillers yeah. And that attitude as well is so, of course, utterly reasonable. Like, yeah. Oh, it's just that, isn't it? Stop being stupid. Absolutely. And I think he did He did go and see, I think, about four different GPs to try, you know, through the course of that year. And, you know, they were obviously, my brother and his wife were very um, sort of, I don't know if bitter is the word, but sort of really 
are furious that no one at any point said, oh, get an X-ray, you know, um, mm. it's just doctors don't have time to sit down and work through all your symptoms with you. No, and there's just no money. And so if you want an X-ray, it has to be like, yeah. well, this better be bad. And it takes ages to get one. And, yeah. you know, because he, he was just a fit man in his early 40s. Yeah. You know, in fact, no, when he he was in his late 30s then, I suppose. So, you know, you don't you don't look at someone with that sort of profile and say, oh, you know, you're a big risk group for... This yeah. is teenage boys usually <clears throat> get this cancer, apparently. Wow. It's, it's mostly... Uh, sort of, um, you know, growing bones tend yeah. to be where this turns up. And yeah, and weirdly, I now know two people who've died of it because it's, I think it's something about social media and being yeah, more connected with yeah. people. But it is an incredibly rare, like super rare cancer. It's called osteosarcoma. But yeah, not something you're expecting. Yeah, and it's, that's struck a with me because my dad was... Um, you know, running marathons and triathlons. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked to my mum about it for like, did nobody? And she was like, he was so fit. Yeah, exactly. So she, and she so said, Colin, yeah. you know, she said to me that, um, so he was diagnosed in February, the November, the year before, 1997, mm. she was saying he'd run a marathon and he'd said, oh, I didn't feel like I could run it properly. Wow. <laughs> and that was the, yeah, and that yeah. was the first. And my mum said, oh, well, you haven't been training very well, have yeah. you? And he was like, yeah. Apparently he said like, oh, I just felt like I was really slow. I just couldn't get it's going. Nuts. Yeah. And of course, I, what, you know, when you're a fit, healthy person, why would you... Yeah, you then don't go. Oh well, I imagine I have an obscure like. Yeah, you, it's the last thing you'd think. Yeah, yeah. I just remember being. Um, my mum actually called me. Colin was quite annoyed because there was always the idea in my family. I think that you know, um, oh, um, don't tell Julia yet. Well, we'll work out how to tell her. It's like, oh, come on. <laughs> I've now run a marathon, had a baby, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, my parents yeah. still slightly saw me as like, oh, let's protect. Are her. you the baby? I probably yes, and I, right. I am by age. Yeah. Um, so they always sort of slightly saw me like that. I don't think they do now. Um, well, my mum's the only one left now, but I don't think she does now. I think she's finally got the idea that, you know, <laughs> you can I can probably handle it. Um, but yeah, so my brother was, was going to call me to tell me. And then I think my mum thought, she, heard, she obviously just a knee-jerk reaction. She thought, no, I'll do it. So she called me and um, and sort of said, you know, she, she's an ex-nurse and she likes to medicalise things and use right. nurse language <laughs> to make it makes her feel better. And, you know, it just sort of is how she handles stuff. And she just said... Um, you know, your brother's seen a doctor. And I said, oh, yeah, I know he was going to. I was really worried about him. And uh, she just said, yeah, he's um, he's got... She wouldn't say the word cancer. Yeah. I think she found it a bit too, like, no, that's yeah. not our family. We're not a cancer family. So she just sort of said, um, yes. And they've worked out that there's actually uh, a problem on the bone. It's, it's a, it's a tumour. And I was like, tumour, tumour. And actually, the, the background to this is... A year before that, my best friend had died of cancer. Wow. <laughs> Sarcoma cancer, in fact, but a different kind of cancer. Yeah, so it's just it was just a real... I think they probably thought, oh, don't like load this on her. She's yeah, just yeah. spent a year going a bit crackers because her friend had died. So, yeah, it was it was absolutely just like another... Like, seriously? So I didn't really take it on board. I just went, oh, right, OK, Colin's got... Uh. And then I phoned my husband and just said, um, you'll never believe it, my brother's got bone cancer. And as I heard the words coming out of my mouth, I went, oh, my God. Yeah. Here we go again. And it was just, yeah. I think that's why you need to hear the word cancer sometimes. You do, yeah. I was talking to Even my... though it means all kinds of different yeah. things, you sort of do, yeah. You sort of need to hear it because your brain needs to process because it's such a strange thing. I was talking to my mum about the weekend. She was saying, like, that when um, they gave her and my dad the diagnosis, they kept saying, we found a malignant tumour. My mum kept saying, she's going to die. <laughs> well, now we don't 
now, now, Mrs. Lloyd. <laughs> and she said they just wouldn't say. No. And she said that was one of the worst things because she felt like she needed some... Yeah. She felt like they both needed that word. Yeah. And then they could have gone, oh, okay. But it was like, now, now, we just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. She said he was like, you know, this bow-tied consultant that sort of swanned in. Yeah. Look, there's some great consultants out there. I always feel like I'm slagging <laughs> off doctors. I'm not. I know, I've met some are. super, super nice ones, like, yeah, really, yeah. definitely. But they do, they all have their different way of kind of handling this very difficult job. They've got a very yeah. hard job. They might be telling you the worst news you've ever heard. And I think it's interesting you said your mum's a nurse, so in a way she, like you said, it's protecting herself as well as yeah, you. Totally. But in a way you both need to hear that word. Yeah, she did that with both Col and Dad, actually. I think just because that's where you go to, I think you go to your yeah. safe place when something really devastating is thrown at you. She just sort of, perhaps sometimes too much, she just became sort of nurse and patient in that yeah. relationship. And it was a bit sort of actually, this is someone you love. It's different now. Yeah, you, know, you can't hide yeah. behind this anymore. But, you know. I totally understand why she did that. Of course. So then you find out he's got this um, osteosarcoma. Yeah. Um, so then, like, what happened? Did he go for treatment? Was it quick? Yeah, I mean, pretty much straight away. Um, you know, we, we assumed because it was so big, like, well, I just thought, well, it's going to have spread. Yeah. But they, um, the first thing they did was, like, radical surgery. Wow. And, you know, this is a very fit, healthy chap yeah. of, you know, 30, whatever he was then, 37 um, and uh, he, his job was entirely physical. You know, he, he, you know, pulled people off burning planes and things. That was his job. Um, and he went into, it was an orthopaedic hospital in just outside London. So I sort of came along and saw him with his wife. And, you know, just he basically went onto the operating table and I sort of said goodbye to him. And he was like, I don't know if I'm going to wake up with an arm or not. Like, I literally have no idea. So much of this bone is cancer. Like, wow. I don't know how they're going to take it out and leave any. But they did. Like, genuinely, I've never seen wow. anything like it. Obviously, he's and my brother was very, I mean, my mother's son. So very keen to talk about all the viscera, of, you know, <laughs> operating. And every operation he had throughout treatment, he was like, um, can you get someone to film it for me? Like, one of the nurses, could you just, like, take my camera and film it? I'd really like to see, like, inside my chest and stuff. Oh, my like, God. Oh, Colin, come on. <laughs> He was always like that. Um, but yeah, he, he woke up with um, essentially just like staples all all the way down his arm from his shoulder to kind of below wow. his elbow. And they put um, titanium or something bone in to replace the bone oh they'd taken. Um, removed his shoulder joint like an inch lower to somehow accommodate the, oh the flesh they had to cut out. They cut out every, you know, every sort of, because sarcoma can go into soft tissue as well. They had to really wow. clear out the area. And then, um, and... If you ever look at the nerve patterns of an arm, it's like they're all just tangled up. It's a mess. Yeah. And somehow the surgeons had picked through all of his nerves, so his hand worked. Everything worked. It was Fucking just. It's it was mind blowing, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely mind blowing. And so he kind of had this amazing surgery and sort of recovered from it. And then I think, you know, I think probably must have gone straight in for chemo. He'd had so. I mean, this this whole process took over four years. So he'd right. had a lot of medicine by then. Um, which I think we likened in the end to banging the top of a telly. It's like, just give it a whack, hopefully it'll get rid of it. Might yeah. might not, might, you know, might break the telly. But um, yeah, he had sort of a bit of a recovery period, then obviously couldn't go back to work because although everything still worked, he um, the shoulder joint couldn't, he couldn't raise his arm above his head wow. anymore. But he, yeah, physically it was um, kind of miraculous and they got rid of all the cancer. They tested him and said, we can't find any, is it metastases oh, anywhere? Yeah, yeah. It hasn't spread anywhere, which we were all kind of, you know, I remember that day kind of knowing he was having the test results and th there was a real pattern of this over the years, just like my my husband got so kind of just like despairing of it because I would be just absolutely a ball of 
yeah. utter stress knowing today is test day and one day I, ha- I remember I had to go to my friend's wedding knowing that at some point that day I'd get a call to see if the cancer had spread to another oh, part God. of his body it was just like oh god this is no way to live so we yeah we, he, he hadn't got any any sort of other tumors anywhere and then I think it was you know chemo to make sure and then we basically thought that was it because um, if it hadn't spread, then it hadn't spread, yeah, so he was going yeah. to be fine. So what happened? I think he had... It feels, I mean, again, time is a bit fudged. I yeah. think it was about a year um, of just sort of, you know, every three months, slightly tense, going for another scan, nothing. Yeah. And, you know, he'd, he'd gotten through about three or four of these checks with nothing. And then we were... My parents lived down on the Isle of Wight, and um, me and my sort of husband and son were down on the island for my dad's birthday, and I got a text from his wife, which is sort of quite unusual, yeah. just just saying something really innocuous like, have you heard from Colin? And I just went, oh, shit, have they had a row or something? Is she yeah. not, why are they not speaking to each other? Um, not realising sort of what this was. And he was on his motorbike basically coming back from an appointment um, with his consultant because they'd found a, a, something on his lung, which is just like what you don't want to hear. Yeah. And then that was the beginning of, you know, I, I think I think a lot without ever saying it, Mum and I, I don't know about Dad, had definitely thought if this comes back, you know, he's not going to yeah. get out of it alive. And I think the minute that sort of news landed, it was like, oh, shit. We'd had we'd had like sunny skies for about a year and then suddenly mm. it was like, shit, shit, shit. Um, yeah, so that was pretty, that was dark times. So hard, isn't it? Because, like you said, just that process of, I'm okay, not okay, I'm okay, like, oh, passing the test, passing you, the you test. You don't realise the strain, yeah. the kind of... Just it's just so relentless. And when somebody's ill, like you said, that period of your life is it's such a huge thing, just yeah. constantly. Yeah. And, you know, I think about people who live with illness for years and years and years. It's just, I know. And how do they do it? I suppose you so, normalise it. Yeah, you if just it's how you wake up every day. But. Get through it, but it is a massive part of your life that you just can't really talk about. In, yeah, or it sort of has to be. Com- compartmentalized doesn't it because it it's does. like well what can you have to get on and you have to carry on working and talking to people and have, look yep. after your child and stuff but yeah, yeah 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 it's massive and my brother did like he was you know from then on obviously was having a lot of treatment and he'd you know found other ways to work to earn money so when he wasn't sort of him he was you know relentless he, the minute he could work again he'd just be straight back out there trying to do something anything yeah. you know and he was trying to start like he had just all these mental schemes like he's really into sort of he used to build his own cars and was a mechanic and you know understood how all that stuff works so he kind of got a welder and was like I'm going to make sculptures and <laughs> garden furniture and sell them to people and he was just everything was you know another opportunity to do something with his life because yeah. he was just so sick of being sick um and then there obviously there were just periods where he just couldn't because he was you know yeah too ill really bald and really ill and really sort of with no immune system and yeah, and his children and my son, I, I, you know, I, I don't know about his kids, they're a bit older, but I don't, I don't think my son remembers either my dad or my brother not being ill, which is yeah. just, you know, it's so weird that he only <clears throat> sees them as that. But, yeah, it's know. strange, isn't it, when you know somebody is so a, a full of, a full aversion of that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what most people have a grand, with grandparents because they're like, well, they were ill, but your yeah. parents are like, no, they were this other person. Yeah. So how long was he having treatment for the lung cancer then? Oh, God, I don't know. I mean, it was, um, it must have been 18 months, maybe a bit longer than right. that. Um, and it kind of involved, um, he'd come to London, uh, he came to London twice, I think, to have um, sort of lung surgery. And they call it a resection where they just take a bit, the bit of the lung they think that, you know, they yeah. can take. So they leave you with as much as possible. God. Um, and again, for a really fit guy, suddenly having less capacity to yeah, breathe is like yeah. a really big um, thing as well. But he, you know, he, he took it all with sort of 
his usual good humour and you know he's so relentless he refused to like stay in bed like after the surgery he'd be like right I'm going for a walk you know the minute he came round and but you know as as time went on it became clear we were just chasing this thing around his body and it did it it stayed in his lungs I don't think it turned up anywhere else but it you know it's sort of I think it was in one lung only so they were thinking well just take what we were kind of almost saying can't you just take Take the lung lung away can we just stop this stressful like oh it's come back it's come back and then obviously I think towards the end it just hit with both lungs and you know I think he got like a he uh, there was there was a really again this is the way my brother would frame it um yeah it's um it's no big deal but the life insurance I've got um they pay out if you've been given like a 12 month prognosis like so so we've told them that so and the doctors are saying that's fine so we, yeah we've got our life insurance payout and I'm like is this your way of telling me you're dying yeah. <laughs> gosh that was not how I expected you to do it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it was all a bit kind of you know I think he didn't he didn't really think he was going to die it must be just I mean how I don't know how you process it how do you process it and when you've got two children and a wife and you just think well how am I going to leave these people yeah yeah, I I don't know how how he did it Um, they were sort of about um, eight and ten oh yeah yeah I was hoping I was hoping for a bit older (laughs) yes either really really old or like so young they'll never remember any of it but no it's you know they had um, amazing um, counselling that's good in their school, someone came in once a week, and wow. they uh, there was another kid in their class whose mum had died of cancer. Wow! And they had a counsellor that came in as soon as the terminal diagnosis came along, so they were able to talk about what God, was going that's to happen. Amazing, which is incredible. I yeah, think, yeah, thank and I God. didn't know that kind of thing went on. And actually, I think you know it's it's still tough for them, but they are much more able to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and think. just to have that established that if you want to, you can. Yeah. I think that's. Like even if they never have counselling again, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have learned it's okay to talk about it. Yeah, which is just basically all that yeah. can save you. Yeah, for sure. So then he gets sort of sicker and sick. Did he go into a hospice or? Only at the very end, it was kind of all a bit of a scramble. Um, because like I said, you know, if Colin could just carry on as normal, then he yeah, would. Yeah. So it was. I mean, mercifully, he didn't. You know, he had sort of a bit of oxygen at home. That was when it became a bit, you know, there's a, you know, you can have an oxygen machine to help yeah. you raise your oxygen level in your blood. But it's like a tank. It's like yeah. this thing. It, it looks in your really hallway. sort of David Lynch scary. Yeah. And it looks terrifying. And it kind of makes you, it would definitely have made him feel like, oh, shit, no, I don't want that. I don't want mm. this sitting in my house. But he did eventually have that. And, you know, very occasionally he'd sort of start to use that. And then... Um, yeah he just again it's hard to remember exactly how it all happened but he was just he was getting really poorly it was around um, his wife's birthday in sort of January 2016 um, and he insisted he had to take her out for a birthday lunch but he was you know pretty much like an old man by mm. then he'd um, we'd found like this you know obviously when your family member's dying and there's no hope you go though there must be hope so we'd kind of been looking at drug trials and we found one drug that he was eligible to take if we could get the money for it. So we did a crowdfunder. Wow. We raised like £20,000. Um, it was kind of amazing. People were amazing. And we bought him this drug. And it kind of, it did, I think it did give him about six extra months because mm. he, was, he, he was told he was going a lot quicker than that. Um, and, but it kind of turned his hair white and he was quite sort of bloated and he looked like Father Christmas. Wow. I called him, um, who's the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy? I called him Colonel Colonel Sanders Sanders a lot, which really really annoyed him. (laughs) Um, But he, yeah, so he kind of looked a bit like an old man, which is really strange because he was 41. He was young. But um, it it took me a while after he died to remember who had died, if that's not a weird thing to say. Because you know how illness can really change someone. Especially if it changes them so visually. Yeah. So then your picture of the healthy person is like... Yeah. Where did 
where did they go? And yeah. I always you sort of, well, my brain's like, they're there on holiday. Yeah. But that old, old ill person the died. The old chubby guy. Yeah, yeah they, he was. They died because they were sick. Yeah. I don't know where the other healthy person has gone. Yeah. It, just, it's so weird, isn't it? They're not the same. To, you're, it's another loss, basically. Yeah. And you haven't sort of, yeah. I think especially when there's sickness, obviously if something happens very suddenly and tragically, you, yeah, you don't see it. But when different. someone's sick for years and you see them tail off, it, it becomes a really strange experience. It does, yeah. I mean, the same thing happened with my dad, but it was even sort of a longer, well longer experience it was a different experience because yeah. he was older he, was, he just died short of his like 80th birthday right, but okay. you know in your head your dad's not 80 he's yeah. my dad so but yeah so Colin he took her out for lunch but plainly was in a bad way yeah. um, and she just about managed to get him home and I think very shortly after that he was taken into hospital and you know I don't know when your bo- I mean so I remember a nurse saying to me something about oh, because it's his body shutting down and I kind of mm. wanted to go, what? Yeah, <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Just not, you just don't ex- necessarily accept it when it's right in front of your eyes yeah. even. Um, but yeah, he just started to get iller and iller and he got this sort of, is it edema where your kind of legs swell oh, and your arms yes. swell. Yeah, yeah. It's when like the, some part the of your body is not the kidneys or something yeah, like that, isn't some, it? Yeah. Some, something shutting down. So it's sort of, yeah, it causes all kinds of other problems. So I think a week before he really got ill, um, he just said to his mates because he always used to do this like big sort of open house everyone come round we're having a barbecue he just invited everyone over and it was kind of brilliant and so he sort of was there almost for his funeral in a way uh, oh no we, we, we have to get to that he oh, okay, was so okay. there for his funeral <laughs> okay. he was okay. all but propped up in a chair with sunglasses. I mean, he okay. wasn't but you know he was, he was very so he present for that so he has this big open house yeah he was a very you know kind of one of those guys everyone knew him everyone liked him um, he loved it when the house was full of people uh, you know having a beer and getting the barbecue going He basically wanted to be Australian. (laughs) That would have been his dream. Um, And he, yeah, he invited everyone over. People were kind of becoming aware how sick he was and just went definitely. And everyone just dropped everything and came over and it was lovely. And the house just filled. And he was just sat on the sofa kind of in pyjamas with an oxygen tube in his nose. Um, His voice was very raspy. I think something was, it might have been a tumour. I don't know. By the end, we just didn't know where the cancer was. It wasn't really important. Yeah, once it's spread, it's spread, isn't it? It's like, who cares where it is? It's just. Yeah, exactly. So he couldn't really speak much, but he could kind of, that didn't stop him kind of like, you know, hoarsely whispering at everyone. Um, And it was really nice. And he looked, you know, although he looked really ill, he was kind of really happy to be surrounded by people and for people not to not to be scared not to kind of stay away yeah which people can do sometimes when oh, something's so, so horrible so frightening going on. and especially you said when someone changes so visually yeah I think everyone reverts back to a child of like I don't a want little, to touch it a little I, bit exactly yeah. it's true it's true um, and then I think during that week um, his heart rate got incredibly high so he was kind of admitted to a cardiac unit of his local hospital which was kind of, I mean, I understand why they did it, but, you know, obviously a hospital and a hospice, the differences are so stark. And he was kind of in this side room. They'd found him a side room, at least, which is really nice. And, you know, people were starting to come in and see him. And um, my dad, he was really, really ill then. Um, And in a nursing home, uh, it was quite, we had to organise basically a carer and my mum and a kind of specially adapted taxi to get him from the Isle of Wight to where my brother was so he could basically say goodbye. Jesus. Which was just, I mean... One one day I'll kind of you know if I was watching this in a film I'd say this is I can't it's too much it's like, too much yeah, it's the, a dying the viewer man can't cope saying goodbye it. to his dying son this is too much yeah but you know it, it is what it is and that's that's what happened 
And then um, his wife is really distraught because we just really wanted... She'd promised him, like, you will go to a hospice. I won't let you die in hospital. He didn't want to. Yeah. And, and then, for, for, you know, for reasons of their kids and stuff, they said, well, don't, don't bring me home. I don't want them to associate home yeah. with dad dying. And so, you know, the hospice was the best bet. But, you know, it's a, it's a luck of the draw thing, the hospice. Yeah. You have to wait for a place there's not always room which you have to wait for somebody else to die I don't think people realise that hospices are they're like charities some of them and like they don't have a lot of funding and they don't have a lot of beds and if it's a bad time of year you (laughs) might not get in it's incredible isn't it and you think well that's you know uh, honestly, you know, your brain goes, well, we'll we'll just take out a loan. What can we buy yeah. that will get you? There's nothing. You just have to, you know, take your chances. But um, luckily, um, again, the things that you think of as good luck yeah, when you yeah, get to yeah. this stage. But luckily, um, yeah, the palliative care team who are the ones who, you know, come and give you all the nice drugs yeah. and keep you comfortable. Um, they sort of came around and said, uh, you know, I think it was on like a Friday or Saturday, maybe. Um, we've got a place at the local hospice. Oh. And um, so he was sort of taken there and we came and met his wife um, there. Me and my husband sort of went and met met her there and sort of, um, yeah, went down. In fact, no, I think she called us. We went down for a bit, then we came home for a bit because we weren't sure what we were dealing with time-wise. Yeah. And then the next sort of morning she called and said, come, like, come back. So we kind of heard down. It was sort of in the south of south of England. We were in London, so it wasn't sort of too bad. But, but he made it to a hospice then. He did. I mean, he, I think he was there for less than a day. Um, and then we, yeah, we all sort of, we got there and some friends arrived as well. My mum was with my dad on the Isle of Wight. She decided it would just, you know, she'd stay with him and mm. we'd, we'd sort of... That is a fucking horrible decision. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's <laughs> oh the worst. Oh my God, your poor mum. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, th- I think, again, she's sort of not someone who shows when she's going through tough times. She just yeah. sort of... My whole family's RAF, like mum and dad met in the RAF, right, Colin okay. joined the RAF. Like, they're all very stiff upper lip and on we go and yeah. carry on. Um, so yeah, so she took that decision, and then um, yeah, we it was again because my brother was like this. Um, his wife, uh, we we got to the hospice. We all sat around the bed. Um, it was a, I think it was a Saturday night, and uh, and my, I think my husband said, um, if Colin was, you know, I mean, we we all talked to him. That was another really important thing. Hospices yeah. do they talk to your person? They don't just talk about them yeah. over their heads. But we sort of said. Um, I reckon, you know, it's Saturday night. There's a gang of people here. Colin would definitely want us to have a drink. <laughs> so my husband and uh, one of one of Colin's friends went out to the local supermarket and bought wine glasses and wine and a bottle of whiskey and some snacks. And we basically had a party. Um, and uh, I think I think Donna even sort of said, well, he'd, uh, he'd be gutted to miss this and put a little bit of whiskey on his lips. <laughs> because, you know, you do funny things when you're... But also, like, it's too late to worry about the alcohol, isn't well, it? Like, it, it's yeah. fine. So, yeah, yeah totally. get it down. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. <laughs> like... But it was really nice. And, you know, hospices are so amazing. I'm sure I've, you know, had so many people say that on this podcast. They are yeah. just incredible. And they didn't really have long with Colin, but they just made us feel so comfortable. They put me and my husband up overnight wow. in a spare room. Um, and then, yeah, we were all sort of just, I don't know, you, you get into a holding pattern, I think, when you're waiting yeah. for someone to die. So we're all sitting with him in the morning. And then I think someone had to come in to wash him or something. So his wife Donna stayed with him and we sort of went out into the garden for a bit. And you always wonder, if I go out into the garden, will he die? Like, yeah. I wonder. And he didn't. Um so we kind of, we were talking in the garden for a, for a bit and just kind of, you know, wondering what to do and, you know, saying things you think now, God, that's awful. Why did I say that? But like, oh, I mean, how long is this going to take? <laughs> yeah, you just don't know. Well, you don't why know. did I say that? Yeah. But, but also you, I think your brain is literally thinking, well, what? 
Yeah. You've never been through this before. No, someone was looking after my son and, yeah. you know, you, you kind of go practical when you really shouldn't be thinking practically. And it's like, it, but it's not it about reminds that. me so much of childbirth. Yes. When people are like, well, how long, as a woman, you're like, well, how long <laughs> is it going to take? And a doctor looks at you, you're like, who knows? I know. Who knows how long it's going to take? I have the best experience of it. I've only, I've only I've had one child and um, he was, you know, massively overdue, about 10 days overdue. And my mum, I explained the military family thing is, is strong yeah. in this family. And um, she had already planned to come to London that weekend. Right, and he's late. So. <laughs> Genuinely. And uh, they were coming to a wedding anniversary party. They were staying with my husband's parents, actually, just outside of London. And um, and I explained, oh, um, probably, oh, I don't really want to be, but they're probably going to induce me. Oh, I, I'm just, we'll just get on with it, whatever. And she said, oh, well, look, could, now I've booked the ferry for Sunday <laughs> at six. So could we try and work around that? And she, she wasn't joking. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely just pass a message to the baby we really haven't got time for this those ferries are very expensive thank you very much recently I mean god it's the funniest times you start laughing but um, I've just been trying to organise the, the little memorial stone for my dad because he yeah. had a cremation and um, and my mum surprised me and, and sort of said well actually get get a stone have his name engraved on it but leave a space for me when it's my time we can go in there together yeah. And I almost felt like saying, well, look, we have already put the dates on, so I don't want to be funny, but we haven't really got time to... Yeah, no, it's I, a I, running family Yes, joke. I needed more, a bigger stone, mother. It's not on the schedule. Yeah, but it's like, of course, in hospices, because you're just looking for... You're just looking for anything. Yeah. So if, if you could say, how, it, how long will this happen? And someone could tell you, an hour. <laughs> yes, and you could as think, if anyone okay, could. So in an hour, I'll be sat like, but it's just, you're just desperate for yeah. something to make sense of what's happening yeah. doesn't make sense it's to very you. sort of out of body it's very surreal yeah um anyway we sort of um we came back in and i think my husband and uh my brother's friend who a lot of people had never been there the night before but i think some people just felt like they wanted to you know just withdraw and yeah. let the family sort of have the have the last sort of moment the last few hours together um so i think yeah my husband went out to talk to colin's friend in the car park I think he wanted to have a fag and he knew Colin absolutely hated him smoking, obviously, because he'd been through <laughs> yeah, lung cancer. So he was like, oh, I feel really awful, but no, I'm addicted. I have to go and have a fag. Yeah. So they were out in the car park and, yeah, that's when he started to just, the, the breathing changed. Yeah. And suddenly there was a doctor there. She was very much in the background, but she was just hovering and I didn't even think, mm. oh, why is she there? I just thought oh, she's just checking the driver that puts the drugs into him and yeah. stuff. And Yeah, and his it's it's really surreal because he was lying there and, I don't know, I think it was a heavy metal T-shirt. <laughs> It's so weird. It's like, you, yeah. well, you can't dine that quickly. You have to wear something uh, smocky or I don't know. Like, well, this is really weird. And yeah, his breathing sort of went, got very, you know, big gaps between the breathing. And I think Donna and I just noticed at the same time went, oh, like you don't quite expect. Yeah. At every stage, you don't quite expect this to be it. You just sort of get used to it as well, don't you? Plateau. You're like, okay, so he's in a hospice. This is what we're going to do. Quite we're just going to sort of meditative live here. almost. Yeah. yeah. You're watching someone breathing. Yeah. And a lot of people say that you just sort of, you just sort of watching and it's very You're so present aren't you you're yeah. so completely present the rest of the world yeah. doesn't exist yeah yeah it's like like giving birth it's like everything just goes away it's, and it's true. really far away yeah and the same when someone's dying it's just yeah. like it's just you and that person and their breath and that's it yeah which i mean every meditation teacher in the world that's all they're ever trying <laughs> I mean, to do right? to you yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're like i can't do this yeah so yeah it was was it you and his wife there? yeah just just the two of us yeah wow. and it was so i i know i sort of felt very I was, I was really glad I was there. It's a really strange thing to say, but no, I was with my yeah. dad as well. And I think you feel really, I don't know, just glad to have been present in some yeah. way. Just let them know in that last moment they weren't alone. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just, it felt like a kind of privilege, really. But obviously, you know, that was also, I mean, it was me saying goodbye to my brother. It was, it was a wife saying goodbye to her husband. Yeah. So I slightly felt, you know, 
I don't know, you, you feel a bit sort of, should I, how involved should I be in this and how close should I be? In? It's hard as a sibling. We've talked about this before. Yeah. So, like, do you, because obviously I'm, I have a brother and I know that, I know that relationship of like, especially as a younger sister, I sort of am always surprised when I'm not involved in something <laughs> yes. he's doing. Like, oh, but I'm, I'm his sister. <laughs> yeah. And you always have this like, oh, yeah. I'm, you everyone, had a whole life. Everybody else of, thinks it's yeah. weird that you're, Oh, right. Yeah. But you're so used to being part of their world and your yeah, world's true. being so connected. Yeah. So, yeah, did you... It must have been... Well, I guess that's the testament to your relationship with his wife, that she yeah. was happy for you to be there and he, you know, yeah. you knew it was okay for you to be there. Yeah, she was amazing sort of throughout, really. I think I think in the end she appreciated just the support, having yeah, someone there. I think so. And, you know, it was sort of... Yeah, um, it was just a really... It's, it's still really hard to process it because it's such an odd thing to go through. I think... When I was little, you know, I was so the idea of death is so terrifying. Yeah. And I watch a lot of TV and a lot of films, like popular culture informs almost everything I know about life, and not in a helpful way always. <laughs> um, and so when you're kind of coming up to the actual reality of it, I think I was expecting, in a very, you know, out of the corner of my eye way, oh, it'll be gothic or yeah. dramatic. But you or... said he'll be wearing a smock. Yes, definitely. And the candles He won't appear. just be wearing one of his T-shirts. Yeah. That's bizarre. But, you know, it is. It's very... Well, it's very normal. It's very normal. And Being I, in the hospice felt really normal. Yeah. They, the way they behaved was so normalising. It was brilliant. And I think it taught me... So when I did it again with Dad, yeah. I wasn't afraid of it or it was a very... I don't know. It felt like a very good thing to be present yeah. seeing and, and experiencing because you can't sort of you can't not die in life yeah. <laughs> it turns out i'm so cross to find this out but <laughs> i know apparently i'm too. definitely going to as well tell me about it yeah. but that's the thing i think because it's shoved away yeah. and we don't talk about it and we don't exp- and just because of medicine and life and nutrition yeah. we don't experience it in the same way as we used to and i think what you're describing there like you know you know 60 70 years ago that you would have seen a death yeah. in your as a child, as a teenager. And bodies were sort of laid out bodies and all that were laid kind of out. stuff. So when it came to your parents or your brother, you would have been like, yeah, okay, I know yeah. what this is. Yeah. And we're just so desensitised to it. And like the idea of it not being, like it is the most normal thing possible. It is. And like I said, birth, death, but like then the when, same. Yeah, we, we all are born, we all will die. <laughs> yeah. And yet everyone's like, I had to have a baby. <laughs> this person died. Like, what? Why? Yeah, I know. Like, we shouldn't not be surprised yeah. by this, but we are. You're right. It's like, yeah, you know, is that very... But like you said, I, I'm I'm similar. I am obsessed with popular culture as growing up. I yeah. just watched everything. Yeah. And so when it doesn't... Like, I used to have this thing as a kid of, like, I used to walk up the stairs trailing my teddy bear up the stairs like cartoons yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, that's how you walk upstairs. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you what you copy. do. Exactly. Are you copy. And I think that's the thing because a death, to show a normal death would be, yeah, you know. It's quite boring. It's quite boring. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's something very mundane about yeah. it. So people just stop breathing. Yeah. They and, slow down and then yeah. they stop. It's, it's the, mo- the most sort of prosaic thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But then it's... But the feelings are not the no. feelings of my brother. How I feel, my love, yeah. are not mundane and prosaic. No, but the process is. Yeah, and you're trying to put the two together. Yeah, yeah. Should, there should be choirs singing. Where are the choirs? Where, Where are the choirs? <laughs> yeah, God. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's amazing that you were able to be. I'm really glad I was there. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously, it must have helped with your dad that you had done yeah. it once before. Like yeah. as awful as it is. No, no, it really genuinely did. It meant I was. I think where my mum was sort of, I don't know, I mean, she, she wasn't, obviously, she wasn't with Colin. I asked her, actually, I said, have you ever seen anyone, obviously, as a nurse, she's seen lots of yeah. dead bodies. I said, have you ever seen anyone you love 
no longer with us. And she yeah. was like, oh, no, I haven't. I thought, oh, God, you've got through your whole life, like, yeah. not experiencing this. That's fascinating. Yeah. But she must have seen way more dead bodies I know, than you. I know, loads. But you've seen your brother and your dad. Yeah. And yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. perhaps if you, that's your day job, perhaps you can't face it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Maybe, maybe. It was too much of a busman's holiday. I won't yeah, thank you. Yeah, perhaps like, if someone said to you, do you want to write just... this thing for fun? You're like, God, are you going to pay me? Like, <laughs> no. That's my job. Yeah, so perhaps she was just like, I can't, yeah. I can't mar- marry those two things because that's perhaps, what I do. Yeah, yeah. I think she she really struggled with it. So yeah, when my dad died, I was it was just the two of us. Wow. And actually, that was kind of really special. Yeah. Which sounds, again, really odd thing to say. No, I think I completely understand. I mean, it's, it's totally individual. And if you choose not to be there, of course, oh, fine. Yeah, yeah, Whatever yeah, sure. works for you. But yeah. I completely understand. Like, I was there when my dad died. And I, yeah, I don't I don't regret it. And no. it didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that I wouldn't be. No, like, no, exactly. I think my mum said, oh, you know, like, I wanted you and your brother to be there. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Of course. What, yeah, what do yeah. you mean? Was what, there, where, would I, where would I be? Yeah, where would I be? <laughs> yeah. In the next room? How bizarre. Like, yeah. at home? Yeah. No, like, it felt the most normal thing in the world to be yeah. in that room with him. Because like, you're not you're not being asked to go in and... It's like, again, TV is to blame. You're not being, like, I don't know, taken into a morgue to see yeah, the body of a dead yeah. person you've never met before. You are watching someone you, who's completely familiar to you yeah. just sort of wind down. Especially a family member. It's that thing of, like, a brother. Like, you've seen yeah. you've seen everything of that person. <laughs> Sadly, you yes. Know, you know the worst <laughs> of that person yeah. and the best. Yeah. And you love them. Yeah. That's... You know, so of course, yeah, why wouldn't you be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the funeral. <laughs> I feel <laughs> yeah. like I want to hear about the funeral, Julie. Oh, <laughs> it was, I mean, it's, again, both with my brother and my dad, they, they were definitely both occasions where you come out kind of going, yes, yeah. that was them, you know. <laughs> they were effectively there. I think, um, I don't know, some people don't think that's important to make it a personal, I don't know, some people just want to get it done. Yeah. Like, can we just, it's been it's bad enough we've lost and can we just say goodbye? And, so it depends on how the, yeah. that person dealt with their death as well, yeah. I think, if it's been very sudden or, or oh, they true. weren't cool yeah. about dying, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, of course. Hey, I'm fine with this. Yeah, yeah, but I guess if you've had that time to process, you know, because it was, he yeah. was ill for a long time. He was, yeah. But I didn't realise, so Cole... Um, you know, he and I talked quite a lot, especially we had probably some of our best chats when he was ill. Yeah. Because we were very different. We went in two completely different directions. I kind of, you know, slightly joked at the funeral. I sort of went off to, you know, uh, write for The Guardian and be a, be a sort of lefty um, mung bean eater. And, and he became like virtually a redneck. <laughs> he liked shooting at the range yeah. and he liked sort of, you know, having bits of old car out on his drive. And we were just completely different. Um, but he, unbeknownst to me, had... Um, had gone round to friends and said, I want you to do this at my funeral, I want you to do that at my funeral, wow. um, which I think took aback quite a few of them. And then he just wrote his funeral. He wrote a speech. He gave his speech at his funeral. What? I know, which is kind of nuts. So who gave the speech? I'm trying to remember. This is all I can't remember. I think it was one of his friends or See, it might even have been the the, the celebrant, so I think. he wrote it down. He wrote a speech. Julia. I know, which is nuts and was... Oh my God, that makes me want to cry because it's just... I know. It's so thoughtful. Because you're doing that knowing... And, but it's such a thoughtful thing to do, to go, yeah. I want to be part of this and I want to be able to say something yeah. to these people and I'm able to process my death yeah. enough yeah. that I can do... That is fucking incredible. Even if he did it thinking, oh, this, we won't need this, but he must have been some... Part of him must have known yeah, this exactly. is going to be read out. And I didn't know he'd done that until quite, you know, a, a, a little while before the funeral. <sighs> there was like a month gap between him dying and then the funeral. And um, it was just, you know, it was a piece of theatre, effectively. Wow. And he, my, I didn't think my brother was that much of a theatrical, but he, you know, he had, um, he was really into motorbikes. Yeah. And he lived on this um, housing estate in, sort of in Hampshire. 
And so we kind of got into the car, followed his hearse, you know, very slowly through the estate. And we got to the corner. And this is this is where, I mean, the emotions really kick in. But there were about 20 bikers and they just all revved their engines. We went past. And that was like really stirring something. There's something weird about these big tough guys being really fucking emotional. It was just it was so beautiful. And then they kind of just cleared the traffic from wow. between us and the crematorium, uh, like we were Prince Charles or something. <laughs> it was like this is nuts, but you know, it was kind of amazing. And um, and then they kind of went on ahead of us and formed this kind of guard of honor outside the crematorium, and then just all ruined their back wheels and just wow. smoke just rose up from the ground. It was it was like a film. It was absolutely incredible. Oh and God. Colin had said, "Like I want, I want smoke. I want you to ruin your back tires. Like really go for it. <laughs> like he designed this all. It was completely mad." Um, and then yeah, then he chose like all kinds of like typical Colin music. Like he loved the Italian job, so he had the Matt Monroe song from that kind of playing <laughs> as we went in, and um, some really nice of soppy music during the service and I gave a in fact he, he, he asked four friends to do eulogies because he's a bit of a big head <laughs> I want four different eulogies and quite near sort of the last minute um, his wife said well can you do something about his childhood and I was like oh god yeah I'd love to I, yeah. do you think he'd mind because he didn't really ask me to but yeah. I'd love to so I kind of gave a I don't know it's weird it was like giving a speech at his wedding or something because yeah, yeah. you don't know whether to just I, you know I write and I write well, I try and write funny sometimes yeah. so you just automatically go to your how many jokes am I should I put I know, in the right? first paragraph I mean yeah. it turns out you know um, it, I was fine because some of his friends were just being really like risque <laughs> and rude about his you know his body and it was it, well, it was all very uh, you know kind of irreverent which is exactly what he'd have wanted and then um, the recessional music which is you know traditionally the kind of we're all leaving the crematorium yeah. now we're leaving Colin Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> <laughs> so you know it was brilliant oh, wow. and you know and it was all those things you notice like it been a bit rainy and as we all came outside the sun came out there was a rainbow you know all that stuff you think oh god are you doing this um but it was it was a proper goodbye and uh yeah big party afterwards and stuff it was a it's exactly what he would have wanted because he literally told us literally, what he wanted. Yeah, yeah, you don't even have to say <laughs> no. it's what he would have wanted. No, no. we definitely know he, knows. he made it yeah, yeah, very clear. There's yeah. something, I mean, this is a weird thing to say as well, but like having been to many funerals, yeah. really old people's funerals tend to be quite sad and obviously everyone they know has died. Yes. So that, And then the music's very old, obviously, and it's like there's this sense of age. Super young funerals, the worst thing in the world, never go. Terrible. Like no, fucking awful. awful. But I'd say my dad's funeral... Like, you still have a lot of friends who are alive. Yeah. And the music's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, they have decent taste. They have decent taste. It's not like no one's sitting there going, I don't even know what this song is. No, it's no, no. Like, no. Yeah. And the ladies went by, you know, something really <coughs> pre-war or something. And, <laughs> yeah, there's that thing of, like, it it becomes a party because yeah. those people had still had youth on their side. Yeah, yeah. And not so much youth that it's just agony, but... You know, yeah. not enough age that yeah, I'm, I'm you know, <laughs> it, can, it can be an all right experience, guys. I mean, he sent us out laughing, which I think yeah. is probably you know, and there were lots of tears as well that day. Of but course, he, of course, he sent us all out, kind of going, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> Colin. But like testament to the man, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I just think you wanna you wanna die as you live. Yeah. I think that's what I've learned. You don't suddenly become like I don't know a person in a smock. You don't become the Victorian old man with the quiet. If you (laughs) weren't that, then none of that means anything to you. And I sort it's funny because we talk so much in the show about like the rituals that we've lost and the pain of that. Mm. But actually, one of the 
positive things of not having to have like an extremely religious funeral even yeah. if you didn't live like that yeah, yeah. is now we have this freedom to yeah. express a person in a funeral which I imagine 50 or 60 years ago you never would have done no just would have sang some hymns and gone home exactly you know? there's nothing to sort of like sort of to tell you who, who who the guy in the box actually yeah. was it's like and this those, is just another one of those yeah. ceremonies we do with black and yeah, yeah and everyone cries and you that's it but the fact that he was able to express himself so fully yeah. whilst being dead. It was amazing. It was it's genuinely ca- yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. It still blows me away to think about it because I didn't, I didn't know... I didn't know if he'd face it that directly. Yeah. And he, he he clearly decided to make it a thing, like a project. Like, I'm going to... Well, like, then I'm going to do this exactly how I want to, which I don't know if I'd have the... Yeah. If someone told me the same news, I'm not sure that would be my reaction. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So then your dad was ill anyway. Yeah, this was actually an overlapping story. Right. Because okay. as I explained, he came, he was very poorly already himself. So and what, came did, to what, see Colin. He, what was wrong with your dad? So he had, um, it's a condition called PSP, progressive supranuclear palsy. Wow. Um, which again, if you were diagnosed with that now, you'd go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? no idea. Um, it was, well, uh, it, I sort of, after doing a bit of Googling uh, the day I was told, um, it's what Dudley Moore died of. Uh, and it's okay. it's rare. It's like Parkinson's. There's no cure. There's no treatment. Wow. There's no nothing. Like it's they need research dollar because they they don't have any way to treat this yet. God. Um. So it kind of affects your brain a bit like Parkinson's, but it starts differently. With dad, it was like I mean I th- I think he had it for like more than ten years to be yeah. honest, but just undiagnosed, which actually I'm quite glad about because knowing you've got that isn't like the greatest yeah. gift really, but. He um, tripped over his feet a lot and he thought it was like bifocals or something. His glasses were right, confusing yeah. him about distances and, you know, perception and stuff. And he sort of, he, then he sort of started to fall over. Um, and my mum sort of, you know, he, he said, oh, I'm just getting a bit, you know, doesn't Clumsy, matter. And he's yeah. just a bit embarrassed. And my mum was sort of like, no, no, something's, something's not quite right here. This is, you know, this is more. Um, and kind of really pushed, um, again, they live on the Isle of Wight, their medical care there is, it's overstretched, put it that way. The Isle of Wight is like a big floating raft of very old people (laughs) and not enough hospital care to look after them. My mum's friend is a hospice nurse on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, she's busy, she's a busy lady. (laughs) Just, yeah, completely, yeah. Um, But so he eventually went off island (laughs) to the North Island, as they call it. They came to the mainland. The mainland, yes. Yeah, and they um, saw, and again, I think it was all kind of slightly played down and a bit, under the what under the radar because 
we were also, I think it was around the time Colin was told he was dying. Right. And he didn't tell mum and dad for a bit longer and made me not tell them oh, for about God. a month. Oh, when God. they were going, so what's Colin said then? Because what? Because what's he doing with the treatment? Because he hasn't told us. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. He really has to, you know, he really had to tell them. He did eventually tell them. And I think, I can't, again, timelines are fudged, but I think it was around the time we knew he was terminal. Dad got diagnosed with this. Wow. And it was just like, it hardly even touched the size. I was like, really? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sure it'll be fine anyway. And they, you know, we no, none of us really looked into what it was until, you know, well, a few weeks later. Well, you're trying to process a, a, your yeah. brother, a son, it was someone much. much younger dying. Yeah, exactly. And also I think anything, once the word cancer gets involved, it's like, yeah, right. that trumps everything. <laughs> okay, yeah, it is. It's a trump card, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Whereas something about a palsy is like, okay, that doesn't sound like, uh, right, yeah, I'm we're over here looking at yeah. chemo so. and I don't think anyone dies of it but obviously yes. it just complications will yeah, arise from yeah. it but it um, so it affects kind of your balance and your coordination I think it's the way they diagnose it when they're not sure what a patient might have is something about the perception of when you look down like there was something his brain couldn't do oh, wow. in judging sort of looking down and like yeah. eating food and stuff that was quite difficult for him wow um, and that was a, it's something about the eye movement when you look down yeah, they go yeah. ah that's and that's how they diagnosed it so yeah in the in the weeks after I got I, was, I just remember being at a train station going into sort of work or something and my mum phoning saying we've been to see consultant and, and dad's got this and actually they did that thing that parents do they you know did the speakerphone oh, calls right. so it was yeah, always yeah. very frustrating talking to them because <laughs> something about their microphone meant that when I was talking they couldn't yeah. they, I couldn't hear them and blah, I blah, can't blah, blah. hear yes. you yeah. so it's always so stressful yeah, talking yeah. to them anyway and then uh, so they told me what it was and and then started asking me to look it up I was like oh ha- hang on a second <laughs> I don't like I know you- <laughs> when did I become Dr. Rayside like- <laughs> exactly like I know the internet's a bit tricky for you but you definitely can use a computer and yeah. um, why are you putting this on me so I think there was definitely a sort of um they they were clearly they knew something was up, mm. but they didn't. They the, the consultant didn't really give them much information. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it was it, it became obvious over a, a period of days and weeks that you know I sort of looked it up and and looked at the worst case scenario and was like, okay, that's not good. Yeah. Um. You know, it it'll, it takes it, it attacks. It's something to do with proteins in your brain. It attacks bits of your brain. God. And slowly takes away different functions there are specific functions it usually ends up taking away but you never know if it will take away that function in you or what order it will go in so it's like a complete randomizer of symptoms it's like a fucking nightmare no no it's genuinely i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy it was really really horrible because mentally you're just going well am i still going to be with it when that happens to me because i don't really want to know about you know it's horrible um so with dad it was kind of um i was reading things about you know or you, you might not be able to swallow it's like so. He's going to be what fed through. A, how how does this work yeah, now? It just yeah. it sounded horrific. Um, but with dad, it was kind of um, sometimes dementia can be part of it as well. And the, he he was diagnosed with sort of early onset dementia during right. the time he was being treated for it. Well, not being treated, but sort of being monitored for this illness. But to be honest, I don't think he ever really did get that sort of demented. Is that word? Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't demented. Um, he sometimes hallucinated because um, he'd have like an infection or something and oh, that would right. make him see. Yeah. It's usually quite nice hallucinations about he'd see like angels or something and nice. and I'd say, God, tell me about that. That sounds really nice. And he'd kind of get all misty eyed and say, oh, it was lovely. And um, but, but most of the time um, he was kind of fully with it and just, not, you know, that wasn't really part of his illness. Um, but it sort of slowly took away his balance. So he stopped being able to walk. Mm. He walked with a frame for a bit and then eventually just stopped being able to walk at all. Wow. So you kind of end up in a wheelchair. Um, it can affect your speech. It can affect your sight, swallowing. It, it's just you don't know what's going to happen next, basically. Was he able to go to Colin's funeral? 
Yeah, he was. Oh. Um, luckily, because um, I think he'd have been devastated not to, not to be there. Yeah. They they just any kind of effort exertion at all just absolutely flattened him. He just yeah. he'd had no energy at all. And he was still sort of eating and drinking things, but just other than that, he was just getting really thin and was in a wheelchair and just couldn't do anything. Um, so yeah, we got him this sort of adapted car and a carer, right, and, yeah. and so one trip to see Colin when he was really really ill, um, and then yeah, we managed to get him to the funeral, which is brilliant. Um, and I think we even had a whiskey. With he, my dad's Glaswegian, and we had to have. It was very important we had whiskey at the funeral at the wake, <laughs> so we managed to do that, which is brilliant. Um, but yeah, uh, he he just sort of it was a very slow kind of decline. And then obviously dealing with his son's death as well, like yeah, which was awful, like absolutely awful. And I'm a big sort of massive believer in counselling, and I yeah. love it. Like you can tell, I can't stop talking about things. Like, I think it's the only way to get through them. And um, and actually, my and my dad was this very sort of bluff Glaswegian who joined the RAF and become very stiff upper lip, and you know wasn't really in the kind of uh, you know the, the, it wasn't the type Sharing. of person to talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. How are you I mean, feeling? he he yeah. talked to me like the the older he got, and the more uh, we got really close as he got older. Um, and the more we sort of talked, the more he opened up and was, he was, by the time he was a grandfather, he was such a soppy, yeah. lovely, soppy sod. He was gorgeous. Um, that he was much more open. But but I sort of said, look, I know this is not your thing, but Colin's just died. You're dealing with this. He was yeah. about to go into a nursing home because my mum just couldn't. Of course, I think yeah. she'd just taken on so much over the years. A lot of people do end up staying at home and having carers come in. My mum just, I think she just shut down and said, yeah. I can't. So he, it was really awful. That was traumatic in itself because I really wanted him to be at home. Mum didn't want him at home. Dad really wanted to go home. So it was just, it was agony. Absolutely oh, agony. so hard. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. Um, probably one of the worst things about it, really, because I just, I wanted it for him so much and she just, I knew she couldn't do it. Um but yeah, so he was, he, he did actually say, actually, I'd like to talk to a counsellor. And I found him a brilliant one. Wow. And she came and saw him every week. And just, I think it helped loads. That's amazing. Yeah, so I was so proud of him. Must have been like... Like 77, 76, Was that like the first time he'd had counselling? Never in his life before, yeah. I fucking swear, it's never too late. It is, though, is it? It's never too late to and just I know have a chat to him. someone. Yeah. I know it helped him. It helped him to talk about what was happening to him. It helped him to, because again, I think... Mum would be always saying, oh, I don't want to talk about Colin in case it upsets him. It's like, dude, he's sitting in a chair. All he's yeah. got to do all day is sit in a chair thinking about how sad he is about his son dying. Like, you should really talk to him. But that's but she your didn't mum probably to... didn't want to talk about it because her son had died. Yeah, so... it was much more about her, but yeah, I think she thought she was protecting dad. So it was great. He Obviously, when I, whenever I could get there, I'd talk to him. But he had somebody every week who'd just say, oh, amazing. tell me how you feel. And, you know, I think it really helped. That's incredible that yeah. he... I mean, yeah, it's funny because you paint this picture of like, oh, yeah, no, up a lip and stuff and you yeah. know, very up, buttoned up. Yeah. But then it's funny. I always think that when it's like, well, then how did you come out of that? I know. Well, yeah. maybe they're not as buttoned up, I guess, in a way, because yeah. like your brother, what yeah. you're describing there and your dad, it's like there was a part of them that wasn't like that. Definitely. That's how you were able to exist. weird like that, though, isn't it? If you've done it as well, you kind of, um, you know that you have. Is it what they say? The stories that you tell, yeah. the ideas you solidly have about the people you grew up with, you, yeah. you know everything about them, you know what they're like, and you know about sort of six months of counselling, you're kind of going, oh, so no, so mum's the buttoned up one, dad, you're the soppy. Oh, I had no idea. This yeah. is completely reversed, and yeah. you learn so much more about you know the people you love. I'm really glad I did it before 
everyone started dying <laughs> because it helped me to deal with their deaths oh a lot better. Oh my God, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I, yeah, as I said, I came to it very late only because people had died. Yeah, and yeah. I think, yeah, God, oh, yeah, I've never thought of <laughs> I'm always like, once I've died, get your cancelling. <laughs> yes, yes. But actually, yes, do it beforehand. Yeah, yeah, then yeah, you yeah. can cope with the death better. And also if stuff comes up, like you might, you know, I, I, I sort of didn't sort of do counselling and then just address everything with my parents saying, no, and what was this and what was that? But, you know, if there's something that comes up, by God, you know, try and find it out before it's too late and then yeah. you at least might get to have that conversation. You yeah, know? my God, that is like one of the hugest <coughs> things ever of like stuff you might need to talk before someone yeah. does go. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, the conversations you must have had with Colin, like yeah. having that time to talk to someone is... Yeah. Just magical, yeah. actual magic. I always think it's like the, the, those long illnesses are so awful for the people who are ill, yeah. but kind of so kind of useful for the people who are having to say goodbye because yeah. you do get that time. Like you didn't get enough time to realise that your dad was going no, and that you were saying goodbye. No, and, definitely not. You know, you um, if, if you're allowed it, I, I used to think that was bollocks, but then actually having gone through it twice, I, I got, I, there's no, you know, I can't say, oh, I have no regrets, but there's no big thing that I really needed to say to either of them yeah. that I didn't say. Yeah. Even though sometimes it's really hard to say stuff because you know the very fact of you saying it means you're saying, okay, we both know you're going to die. It's like, yeah. Am I allowed to say that? You know, and I don't think I ever directly said it to either of them, but but yeah, it's that sort of sub- the subtext is yes. very clearly. Yes. If you were well. So what is your password just for <laughs> yeah. your computer? Because we need to get the photos. Oh no, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Just write it down. It's really important that you write it down for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, just you know, one of those things, you know. <laughs> That's awful. God, yeah. The passwords. I mean, you know, I'm obsessed with the passwords. It's, Tell oh, people God. your passwords. Yes. Tell people it's your terrible. Password. Immediately got two folders on our computers at home now with yeah. everything just put them on there yeah. just put them on there it's fine just hide them just tell someone where you've hidden them <laughs> yeah. like if you if bury them in the ground if you want but yeah, yeah. just let somebody know <laughs> so then your dad how long so your dad died very recently yeah he did yeah. Know about. So, so it was two years after Colin roughly. yeah yeah so Colin was like February 2016 and dad died um, June of this year 2018 right, okay yeah. god so you've had like yeah a fucking shit two years fucking shit <laughs> fucking shit four years and actually I've mentioned course, course, um, yeah. my friend Jerome yeah so he had this cancer but his was very quick so about three months um, he he'd probably died a year before Colin was diagnosed and because no one I knew had ever died before Jerome I went like properly mental yeah. I ran a marathon wow. I organised a charity comedy gig uh, uh, an auction I raised thousands of pounds for charity and every time I look at that now all I think is I mean, it's great we raised the money but like I just went fucking mad yeah. like I didn't know what to do it's your first grief I know your first grief it's is it's like nuts. your first love right yeah completely like you know people say oh my first love I was so crazy you but, go all in but luckily you're yeah. normally about 14, 15 so you can be <laughs> yeah. hugely embarrassing and it's fine Yeah. but your first grief you never forget your first grief you don't do you no because <laughs> no, it, it, anything the first time you really understand Oh shit! We're all not gonna, gonna die. Not gonna see them again. And oh, this is gonna happen to me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is sure. is that's the turning point? And everything after that, of course, is so hard and so painful. Of course, of course. And obviously, the, depending on the person and the age and all of that stuff. But I think once you've got through one death, yeah, everything just looks slightly different. We're back to childbirth again. It's absolutely yeah, that. It's yeah. like oh, the second and third ones are much easier. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. just pop out like a bar of soap. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently. <laughs> so they say. Yeah, I'm, I'm never s- doing it again. So I don't. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Sure, guys, whatever you say. But yeah, like that first, and for it to be a friend, so I'm sure like yeah. once you're, when you knew your brother was sick, yeah. you kind of know what you're, okay, 
I know what this is going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. Which yeah. is, yeah, I mean, it's not like, again, there's no judgment. It's not like it's good or bad. It's no, just, no. You just know. Yeah. I think my brother was really pissed off that I didn't run the marathon for him, though. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, when he went, so when my mum said me... such a brother thing. No, completely. such a brother-sister thing. I think thing. he genuinely bore a grudge because... Um, I'm sure he, he did. He's, he's your big brother. <laughs> so annoying. Because obviously I did that. I tried to explain to him like I did that because I went mad. Yeah, like mad. This is how I need to deal with it in a much more, like, whatever's happening, I need yeah. to deal with it by looking directly at it, not like running around screaming, yeah. waving my arms in the air, um, wondering why everyone else wasn't running the marathon too. Yeah. Like, that wasn't a good way to deal with it. But he did, um, he, so he called just after mum called to tell me that he had cancer. And he called not knowing mum had called, so getting ready for the big <laughs> announcement. And he just said, uh, look, so the longest I've got, um, I've got bone cancer. I went, well, if you think I'm running the fucking marathon again, you've got another thing coming. He was so taken aback, like, what? Why aren't you upset? I was like, no, I am upset, but I'm just trying to process it my own way. <laughs> sorry about sister. the joke. Sorry, Inti, you have to make a joke <laughs> yes, about it. Yes, exactly. That's what's happening. We'll get to the sobbing in, you know, yeah. in, in, in a while. And he must but... have thought as well, like, I'm going to deliver the big news. Like, no, he Mum's did. already got there. <laughs> he was so crestfallen. I must have been really hacked off with Mum, like, really cross. <laughs> It's like, I, I at least wanted the moment to hear, like, how she felt about it. But yeah. That's classic brother and sister right so. there. I'm That's like, so. yeah, a, a textbook. <laughs> Mum's already told me, so I already know. And again, it would have been weird if I'd suddenly been really, really nice to him when all we did was kind of basically pull each other's yeah. pigtails, you know, so. Yeah, he would have been weirded out. Yeah. So how do you feel? How are you feeling at the moment? <laughs> like, are you just feeling like, Bleh. I don't know. Like, obviously, every day is different. Um, some days kind of. Uh, massively guilty that I'm happy. Yeah. Um, some days. But you must. I wonder. Maybe this is a very grief class question to ask. But <laughs> is there a relief because you've had so much yeah. sickness for so long? Yeah. You must be feeling that like, oh, I don't have to go to a hospital or look at drugs and think of yeah. all that stuff. Or that just comes smell with it. the air in that nursing home, yeah. which it didn't smell bad, but it's just a smell I've grown to hate. Yeah, of course. Because it's like I don't want my dad to be here, and I don't want to be here, yeah. and you know, um, everything about it is sort of you know just negative really apart from the people here there who are amazing yeah the actual yeah the coming to the nursing home like to visit him was just such a oh not this again you know yeah. it was just it was horrible so yeah dad died um kind of in it was in the middle of the night and i'd it's similar to colin in a way i'd sort of been down at the beginning of the week my mum had called me at like six in the morning which you know yeah. she's not 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 one to raise the alarm or panic <laughs> um and i was like okay we're we're all coming in the car we're coming now i'd planned to go down like maybe two days after that anyway. So we just, you know, brought it forward a bit. It was it was a weekend, so we just all went. And um, and then uh, my husband and my son sort of went back the next day because it was sort of school day and stuff. And I just sort of stayed there for a bit and talked to his nurses. And he was going through some rough times, sort of, you know, end of life stuff, but he was, he was uncomfortable. Yeah. And that, there's one thing I was just like, the second this is in any way... Uh, a comfort issue or anything like you know where are the drugs get me the drugs get me the doctor when yeah. he's not he's not having this and and it was sort of very you know he always sort of joked like so I sort of came stomping into the place telling people what to do I wasn't that bad but I know my mum always found it like excruciating if I even questioned someone like him so could he have like a different drug for this <laughs> they just he, she'd look at me like oh my god don't you're showing us up you're showing us up but good you know, but I got him the I good think, drug yeah. so shut up <laughs> and I think that generation had that really like don't yeah. just say yes they're doctors she's, she's a nurse she was taught yeah. to do what she was told if a doctor said do it you no, do it I'm I'm I am all for. I am exactly the same. Once <laughs> yeah. it's possible, like what? Why? Mm-hmm. Go through. Like yeah. I think it, there is no harm in questioning and shouting. Not it's, at all. It's too big a thing. I don't fall out with anyone. We all they they're all lovely. Yeah, you could be polite, but be polite. I ask I'm questions. Not, God, yeah. guys, I sound like a slag of doctor. Doctors are really <laughs> brilliant people, but they occasionally it's okay for you to yeah. question it. 
and oh, to no, make you, sure you're I think happy you with it. Yeah. We're also in awe of what they do because it is amazing. Of course, of course. And they do things we can't do, but you you don't just have to yeah. lie there. No. Yeah, they did they did the decent thing and got him all the drugs. And then I talked to his nurses later on that that evening, and just said, "If you and me, would you stay? I know it's impossible to say. Shall I just stay here?" And they because obviously once you're they give morphine and things to really yeah, yeah. just chill the person out and hopefully just you know give, give them a nice sleep. And um, I said, obviously, you know, he before he had this really big dose of morphine, he was taking on a bit of fluid and stuff, things that would sustain you, you know. Yeah. And I said, well, once he's, I said, I'm, I'm not daft. Like now he's sleeping. You're going to keep him asleep. Um, he won't be drinking or eating anymore. So, what do you think? Like, shall I stay? And the nurse just said, look, you saw him when he was awake. Um, I don't think anything's going to happen anytime soon. Um, you live far away. If I were you, go home. We'll call you. And if you get back, you get back. But don't, please don't worry. Mm. I was like, no, I really want to be with him. She said, no, no, no. And she talked me through it and just said, okay. So I said, fine, I'll go back. So I came back to London, which is a very surreal sort of yeah. journey home going. It's, it's, it's all, it's, again, it's all TV and film. When you leave the Isle of Wight, you kind of, you're on the deck of a ferry watching it get smaller oh, into the distance. You know, and I'm watching the island that my dad is yeah. currently alive on, like getting smaller and smaller, just thinking, is this it? Am I not, when I go back here, will he not be here anymore? And it was so, it was so just surreal. And then um, pretty much like the next day, I think I was having some kind of health issue and I'd been to see a doctor that morning and was kind of freak. I freak out whenever I get ill, by the way. Like of anything. course, because... <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah, Every day I'm that, dying. Welcome to the, the death anxiety yeah, yeah. support group. It's yeah, so great, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. If, if, if the first time I heard someone use those words was on your podcast. I was like, oh, thank God. I know, same. We're, we're, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Lauren Silver's episode. And I was yeah. like, oh, right, there's a name for it. I thought it was just what my brain did. I was just a bit cuckoo. Yeah. Yeah, I've got kind of like a bit of a, a you know, insect bite time at the moment. Really big insect bite on my leg. I'm like, oh my God, cancer that comes up really fast. Yeah, anything. <laughs> no, fine it's an insect yeah. bite but um yeah so I, I i had been to see the doctor that morning had kind of peeled myself off the ceiling a bit because i was thinking something was really wrong he said be quiet everything's yeah, fine yeah. um and then yeah midday i was i think i was sitting in spitalfields market my son was at school my husband's at work and i was like oh i've got a bit of free time i might just i'll have lunch so i went to a leon or something and got lunch and just sat down and my phone rang and it was the same nurse who'd said go home saying yeah maybe come back and I was like okay oh god so, why did you tell me to go <laughs> I know I know but no she she was very she was really good she 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 did tell me to go but she didn't say um and it'll definitely be fine and yeah. we can predict that she said look you you might miss this it might happen quickly it might happen so um you you shouldn't feel like you should stay here and watch him yeah, it's because true. this could take 10 days so and also, you know actually she did a good job because you went home yeah you got your health checks and I you were calm about that yeah. you had a moment to yourself and I did. then fucking perfect it was you'd sat down and gone oh so you weren't in a stressful situation to take that phone call not at all and it kind of obviously the adrenaline slightly kicks in but i was sort of near home so i got a train back to my house it takes like 20 minutes and called my husband on the way and just said i think i think this is it um you need to get dog from school. Yeah. I'm going, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, fine, absolutely, whatever you need." Um, and yeah, and I just sort of called my mum and said, "Look, I've heard from the nursing home. Um, I'm coming. Um, I know Dad's asleep, but and my mum's very much a she would talk about him sometimes, yeah. and, and then catch herself and go, and oh, sorry, at gym, yes, and remember he was there. But you know, I just remember someone telling me like, hearing is the last thing to go. Just please don't talk about them like they're not there. It must be yeah. awful if you're lying there and you yeah. can hear. So I said, I know this is daft. Will you just tell him I'm coming? I just wanted him to know. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, so I... Then I sort of said, like, don't worry, I'm going to drive carefully. If I miss this, I know it's not a thing. Yeah. But I'll try. I'll try and come. And I sort of... It takes about sort of, like, 
four hours, like on a good day to get down there because you have to wait for a ferry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was all fine. It was all very undramatic. Um, my mum had told me a story about, so it's really weird. Her parents retired to the Isle of Wight and she had this mad dash down there with both of them when they were sick and when wow. they died. And and she was, I was like, seriously, and now you're doing it to me. Thanks yeah. a lot. You've retired to the fucking Isle of Wight. Yeah. Um, you know, and I thought, I, so luckily it was all very undramatic. I didn't have to like beg my way onto a ferry. I just drove on. It was all fine. And I kind of got there and, um, you know, things were kind of fairly steady. Um, they just saw his breathing speeded up and that's usually a sign something's changing. So, you know, and was your mum there? Yeah. Right. She was with him. And uh, I got there at about sort of five in the evening and about sort of half seven, it looked again like, okay, maybe nothing's happening tonight. And my mum, I don't know. I, again, she might. it might have been that she was worried about actually seeing there and witnessing it or it might have been that she just genuinely thought nothing was going to happen yeah. or a combination of the two. I don't know. You do funny things, I think. But she just said, look, I'm going to go home. So I, I've had some sleep. Wow. Um, and they had offered to put her up there, but she said, I think it'll, no, I, nothing's going to happen tonight. She's very nurse-like certainty. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen tonight, Julia. And I was like, well, I've just got here. I'm not going to... Yeah. I haven't booked a hotel. I'm gonna. I just. I'll sleep in a chair. So I stayed um, by him and sort of uh, actually started listening to podcasts because he was snoring really fucking loudly. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they. They even though when someone's obviously in the sort of end of life, they still every two hours come in and turn them over so you don't yeah. get bed sores and stuff. And it all feels a bit like, well, can you just leave him? But you know, they had to do it. Um, and someone came in about midnight and did, did the two hourly changing, rolling him onto the other side, and you know, checking the drugs were fine and everything. And um, I had I did, wasn't really sleeping because I was in a chair. Um, but I sort of put my feet up and put a blanket on me and listened to a podcast. And I think I must have slightly started dozing off. Yeah. And then I sort of just popped one ear off and thought, oh, he's not snoring anymore. I kind of looked over and he was still breathing, but like not like he was yeah. breathing before. And it was just all really quick. And I thought, oh, God, oh, I think he's, oh, he's going. Right. And so it's really, you know, I suppose people are just attuned to it when they work in that sort of environment. But... All I it was a dark room and all and the, but the doors always open onto the corridor and people sort of quietly walked past and I just sort of went and stood next to him and just sort of held his hand and looked at him and thought oh I think you're and then someone at that moment walked past and they just saw me and went and then just people just started coming in and wow. quietly putting a little lamp on in the corner and yeah it was it was just mi- it was minutes like a couple of minutes and he was just yeah asleep and then just sort of stopped breathing that was it Wow, it's really—it's so strange to talk about it like it's a really matter-of-fact thing. Because I know people are like, "Wow, you're talking about a very personal thing," but it just feels very—it's what we said before. It's very ordinary. Yeah, I remember there was a really weird moment that really threw me for a loop when, when I think my mum had gone home. The, 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 that so that he died like two, like one thirty in the morning or something, and around sort of nine o'clock that night, um, someone had come round, just a, a domestic had come round to do, give something a wipe over. Yeah. And, you know, everyone in that place was just so bloody amazing. Like, they don't get paid enough. They work their socks off. They, you know, the shifts are so long. There's not enough of them. They're so overstretched, but they're all so kind. They were, they basically adopted my dad as mm. kind of, they were all his other, his daughters, his sisters. They'd hold him. They'd give him a kiss. They'd cuddle him. They'd, they were just so lovely with him. But this one cleaner came in who I'd never seen before because I think I'd been there so late at night. And just said to me, and I, and I had to say, what? She said, um, how long's he got? Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought, no, I've misheard you. And I went, I'm sorry, what? She said, um, how long? How long? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you want me to say. You, I know you're probably just feeling really awkward. You're in the room with someone in a really... But you work in a nursing home. Get, it's best not to ask Get questions. some better banter. How <laughs> banter, about... Your oh, chat is rubbish. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> oh, it's hot. Like, that covers everything for... What a you weird know. thing to say. That's so and weird. And obviously, I just sort of froze up. 
And I said, well, look, um, dad can actually hear everything we're saying. So kind of don't really talk in those terms. I don't know what else to say yeah. to you. And she's like, oh, right, right. I was like, I just, I, <laughs> I'm speechless. Oh my God. I'm actually speechless because... I don't know. Like, one, why do you want to know? Two, I think she just didn't know what to say and something just came out. Yeah. And then she was like, no, no regrets. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> I committed to it, actually. And I think it's a valid question. Oh, oh God, it was God. just so, so weird. So God, weird. So that was obviously so recent. It's really recent, yeah. So you're just coming out of, like you said, a long time of grief and illness and yeah. sickness. and Yeah. Well, I, the funeral was, so Dad's funeral was too... No, it was a week and a half, two weeks ago. Oh my god! Because he again, this is this is this is death these days. The crematorium, like you have to get your slot. I know they're so busy. And so a month, <laughs> it was a month after Colin died, god. and it was nearly a month after Dad died that yeah. we that he had his funeral. Yeah. yeah. So you are, as we said earlier, fresh out of the box. Box fresh. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't touch her. She box fresh. I am. I'm weird. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm. I think I'm quite weird. And sometimes I can talk like this. Yeah. And then sometimes you just think, oh, I don't think I can. I haven't had a day where like I can't get out of bed or anything, but you know, some days you do just think, I don't know. It never occurs to me first that it might be the grief. Yeah, I think God, I feel so weird today. What the fuck is wrong with me? Oh yeah, I've just it, been to my dad's yeah. funeral. Maybe it's, that's why I feel weird. I never thought it was the grief. I've no, you always, don't, do you? Why is that? And I think if you keep yourself busy as well, so you're like, oh, I am tired because I did that thing. And, yeah. Oh yeah, I. Oh, did. the sleeping. Yeah. I've been sleeping. Yeah. A lot, oh god. Like day sleeping. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. your body just being like. Yeah. Why not? Just take it easy. Completely. You just can't. You've had too much emotion to process. Yeah. And I do think it's like as if you've eaten a lot. You know, like when you've had massive <laughs> you're digesting. Lunch and yeah. you think, yeah, you are digesting emotion right yeah. now because you've had. And I bet you there must be all this stuff from Colin that got paused because oh, you had God. to deal with your dad. Absolutely. So now you're coming through those doors almost into this other world where they're both not here. Yeah. You're going to start grieving again of like, yeah. oh, right. Now we can There's, actually start processing yeah. a lot of stuff. It feels like this will take a long time. Yeah. And actually, you know, the idea of that isn't necessarily that depressing. It's just it's just the reality of it. Like I don't I don't think, oh God, I'm gonna be grieving for years, because grief is not what I thought it was anyway. Yeah. Grief is yeah. billions of different emotions. It's not just boo hoo, I'm very sad. No, not like at that's all. one of many, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So yeah, I think it will be a long, long process and things will just keep popping up. But that's that's grief, isn't it? It yeah. takes you by surprise. <laughs> the cheeky little monkey. <laughs> that cheeky monkey grief. It's yeah. so, but I, as I, I'm obsessed with saying on this show, no one would say, like, so how old is your child now? My uh, Nine, he just turned nine, right. yeah. No one would ever say to you, Julia, he's nine. Why are you still going on about being his mum? <laughs> yeah. He's nine. Yeah. I mean, get come over on, it. get over it. He, just let him have his own house. No one would say that. No. But people would say, well, it's been nine years. You're still talking about it. And yeah, I think true. the process of becoming a parent, and I know obsessive, if you haven't got kids, obviously there's, you can still experience grief but exactly the, the, the same. But the lightnesses are undeniable. Yeah, it's so similar. It's, but I think with parenting or with children, we're very kind of like, oh, you'll be a parent for life. Yeah. You'll always be his sister. And yeah, you'll yeah, always yeah. be his daughter. Like yeah. that doesn't, you, those parts of you don't go away. Yeah. And especially having had that illness and that process yeah, yeah it's gonna be but i think that's really positive like positive sounds wrong i think it's healthy <laughs> yeah that you are able to look at it and go it's not depressing but it is what Shit, i'm going loads through. of therapy yeah <laughs> every penny was worth it it was uh, worth it guys. yeah and yeah. i know i still i still see one now um we kind of have a really nice arrangement where you know it's, it's, she's been with me through lots of this definitely you know losing colin and losing dad 
And, you know, we, 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 we go down to once a month if things are pretty chilled. And it's like, yeah, hi, so my dad's dying. OK, back you come, back you come. <laughs> you know, you step it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really, I always it's say been that amazing. to people. Like, she is amazing. Yeah, you don't. Hi, Catherine. She listens to this. <laughs> oh, hi, Catherine. You're really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I definitely think with therapy, it's not. Because the idea of therapy, if it just stopped, would mm. imply that you were fixed. And as we know yeah. from this show and life, you're not fixed. No. It doesn't go away. So no. it's like, you know, the same as we say about like a car, like occasionally you need to get it MOT'd and yeah. you know, occasionally. I think I have to do that every year. <laughs> I, I think you drive. do like every year, like yeah, by yeah. law. <laughs> but like, or like with just maintenance of your, yeah. th- it's like we get our hair cut. Like, you know, we wouldn't be like, Julie, you had your hair cut once. Yeah, Would come you on. Please, like that is it now. No more hair cutting no, no, for no. you. Because we know it makes you feel better and it looks nice and it helps you. Yeah. And I think exactly the same with counselling. So it sounds like you're, you know, dealing with it as best you can. Yeah, basically the takeaway from this is I'm amazing and I'm totally coping. <laughs> I think that is. <laughs> the first thing your therapist would say was like, would be like, no, you're not coping. If you think you are, you're not coping. Yeah, but, but also but, you know, coping coping is day as by much day. knowing that you're not coping. Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember saying that vividly to my husband when he was, um, after his dad died and he was like, this is, like, he was like, I feel so awful and uh, this is awful and I don't, I, I can't stand up. Like, this is awful. And I said, yeah. this is coping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah exactly. Yeah. I thought coping would be fun or you'd yeah. feel better. I'm like, no, I'd no. I'd capable and have a briefcase and maybe no. a bowler hat. Coping yeah. is shit, but you're standing. Yeah, exactly. And it's better than the other bit where you're not standing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. That's it. So for you sure. are, I think you are coping. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, Julia, thank you so much for coming to talk to me about Colin and Jim. It's been a strange pleasure. Good, I'm glad. You can follow Julia on Twitter at JN Rayside, or you can download Always There, the Howard's Way podcast from wherever you get your podcasts from. If you enjoy the show, please do rate, review and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. It very much helps other people find the show and is so, so appreciated. The show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios and the music was provided by the Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com